Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. So who has to be strong in the Lord? I have to be strong in the Lord. In the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So I've got to be the one who stands against. Everybody say stand against. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So there is some wrestling that goes on. But we wrestle against not flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Can you give me a Kleenex? Um, Wherefore, take on you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against. Everybody say stand against. How do you, and withstand in the evil day. So what do I got to do? I got to withstand. So that means I've got to do something. Everybody say withstand. So it's not just... It's up to the Lord, but he's telling us what to do. And he said, having done all to stand, what do we got to do? So what are you going to do? And then it says, stand, therefore. Do you think there's something about this standing stuff? Well, standing doesn't mean just just here. It means you're standing and you're ready for whatever the devil brings you. And I told you this last week, and I'm going to tell you again. Um, I was listening to a, a minister, and they said this, and I agreed with them right away. Uh, because I understand where they're coming from. Um, But then the Lord started dealing with me a little bit about it. He said, this minister said, really, God's not my problem. The devil's not my problem. I'm my problem. And I get that. How many of you know, uh, let's go here. Let's do this. How many of you know that um, if you make a certain amount of money, let's just say you make $4,000 a month, but your bills are $5,000 a month. So... So, and you say, I curse this devil of poverty. I, I, I command the devil to take his hands off my finances. No, what you need is a math class. What you need is a math class. Because if your outgo is greater than your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. And that's not the devil's problem. That's your problem. If you're driving along and you get pulled over by the uh, police department and you say, I bind you, devil, and you were going 60 miles an hour in a 40 mile an hour zone, that is not on the devil. That is on your foot. And you disobeyed the law. And mercy could kick in. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But if you broke the law, you broke the law. I remember when we were on vacation one time out in the, um, some parks. Pastor Rhonda had us, Zion National Park. Man, she had us going through all the parks. And at first, we didn't want to go, but it was cool. And uh, I mean, the speed limit was so low. It was like 25 or 30. Who does that? Not me. I was going 50. And the dude pulled us over, the state, the park guy park ranger and I was very respectful and Dustin was in the back and 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 I he said to me I, I said yeah you're right I was he's like you're not gonna try to talk me out of it I'm like nope I was doing it so I was like I don't know I, I was having this moment of being a, a man of my word and a man of honor and I just said you know what I, I broke the law write me a ticket He's like, man, I've never had one of these. And I was like, I don't really want to be one of these. But some, when you break the law, 
when you break the law of gravity, you might break a foot or a leg if you jump off a building. It's not the devil's fault. I curse the devil who caused, no, gravity is a law. If you break laws, so in that way, yeah, the devil is not your biggest problem. But let's get, and in our circles sometimes, it's always the devil made me do it, or this is the devil. But the truth of the matter is, if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of your flesh. So yes, um, it is us, but then the Bible would not be very strong on this like it is. The, the apostle Paul by the Holy Ghost is telling us, you have an enemy. And he said in 2 Corinthians, he said, uh, basically, it's foolish of you to be ignorant of the devil's devices. And we wouldn't have this in Ephesians 6 and telling us to stand if there was not an enemy to stand against. So you've got to be balanced in your approach, understanding that everything is not the devil. He is defeated. And if you obey the word, he won't be a problem. But then on the other hand, he is a problem because he is the God of this world. And the Lord told us not to be ignorant of his devices. And he told us, you need this armor because you have an enemy. And if the enemy came to Jesus, he's coming to you. And the enemy left Jesus for a season. And so I'm telling you that, uh, and I'm grateful, I mean, in Ephesians, this is probably where, of all the book, this is where I teach out of the most, um, my Bibles are wore out here. Um, I understand, and you need to understand, that the devil ain't playing. And we do have an enemy. And the Holy Ghost tells me to tell everybody all the time, the devil ain't playing, and I wish you'd quit. Quit playing around, quit messing around. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but he cannot. He cannot if we'll do the word. He cannot if we'll cooperate with the word. Because he's he's, the devil's a defeated foe. Are you with me? Everybody say the devil's defeated. Now, even like this, remember those seven sons of Sceva? Y'all remember them? Remember they, they heard Paul do something? And they, there's, uh, I guess their daddy was uh, the local demon caster at her, but I don't think he had much success. Uh, and the seven sons got together and said, let's try this. And remember, they had this demon-possessed man. And they said, we adjure you or we, we, we command you to come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Listen to me. It's very important what you know. And it's very important in this case who you know. Because the devil knows what you know, and the devil knows what you're walking in, and the devil knows what revelation you have, and he'll press you on it. Because the devil clearly stood up and said to them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? In other words, it's not they, he didn't know their names. It was like, I ain't paying attention to you, and I don't have to come out because you don't know what you're talking about. And that's why the loin belt of truth is very important. Because the loin belt of truth is the logos, is the written word of God. And it maybe be like, it's not the most forefront of the armor. It's not the beautiful uh, a breastplate of righteousness. It's not the beautiful helmet of salvation. It's not the all-powerful sword or that really cool shield. But it is a belt that holds all the weapon together. And if you don't start with the written word of God, you'll never have a, a rhema 
or the the two-edged sword. You'll never be able to put your shield out and quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. You'll never be able to renew your mind because you got to have the logos to even uh, put on the helmet of salvation. And if you surely, come on, I, I've, I've been around a little while now, and, and really righteousness, we, we t- uh, Raquel teaches righteousness in our Bible Institute class. And, and if you've never really been taught in depth on righteousness in the body of Christ, it's something that is still very lacking. You've got to know that you have been made righteous. And you won't find that out from just hearing things. You're going to have to get that from revelation of the logos from the New Testament, from the epistles, because righteousness is so very important. But you're not going to have any of that. I'm not going to have any of that. In other words, the rest of the weapons don't work unless you get this one. And, you know, and you and I know this, this group of people, and on Wednesday night we know this, but really I don't want to just take it, uh, if there's one person that doesn't understand the importance of the Word of God, the value of the Word of God, this book was not written, uh, it is not an opinion, it's not a history book, this book was written by holy men of old as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the Word made flesh. This word, this is, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He's this word. And so we've got to understand the loin belt of truth is what holds it all together. And so let's pick up um, Psalms 119 verse 89. Psalms 119 verse 89 says um, that forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. The written word of God, it's settled. In other words, um, uh, um, being an accountant and, and some things, and maybe you know something about case law. Um, when I um, first, Pastor Ron and I first got married, you know, I knew enough about uh, nonprofit stuff to be dangerous. And she said she was going to become an expert on one. We started going to classes because we wanted to do everything right. And I told her there are none. So yeah, there are. No, everybody has an opinion. Because listen, if it's not in our government, if it's not case law, it can be, uh, you'll get something different. My point is this, this written word of God in God's mind is case law. In other words, it's settled. It's not like the squirrely world laws. This is law settled. Well, I don't believe in the law. Well, this is law. This is law. This is a legal thing. That's where you can put your faith on it. I don't want to get out. I don't want to get out ahead. You know, start talking about other things. But but this is, it's forever settled. If it's not forever settled, remember we looked at. You know, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and one person heard the word and did it. The other person just heard it. Why? So one person, it's case law. One person, it's settled. The other person, it's not settled. Because see, if you really knew it was settled, you'd do it. Because if you knew it was settled, you know that if you do that, everything else is going to be all right. Amen. So it's settled. It's settled in heaven. And really, you're, then you've got to settle in your, you, you said it, I believe it. Yeah. It's not enough that he said it. It's what you believe. Yeah. And this word has to be the foundation of your life. And it's the written word. And there's never been a generation as blessed as we are to have as much word available to us. You can have it in as many different translations. and They're not all perfect, but I'm telling you, you put them, all those things together and you have that. It's right there on your phone. 
Um, all you got, if you have a question about anything, you know, like I told you last time, if you're even having a little warfare with the devil, you tell him to hold on a minute and you Google it and you tell him what God said. Amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withered, the flower fades, but the word of God shall stand forever. Listen to me, I keep telling you this on Sunday morning. There is no word 2.0 coming out. If God said it, he looked down through all of time, and he, he said what he meant. Amen. And I don't hang with people who change their mind about what is written, what is law. Well, the culture's different. Humanity has always been squirrely. God, if this becomes squiggly, changeable, optional, you're in trouble. And if you let anyone convince you that there's a more modern way to translate it, especially when it comes to sin and what is right and what is wrong, then you're in trouble. Listen to me, even people that do things like this, I've had to help one of my minister friends who looks up to us. You know, he was telling me, you know, about one of the epistles, one of, you know, First uh, John wasn't written to believers. It was written, it's not for believers. When, when it clearly says that it is. But I was listening, I've been listening a lot. Um, I didn't trade my spiritual father in when he went home to be with the Lord. He's still my spiritual father, just like I didn't trade my natural father in. when he, I, I don't need another father. I have one. He's just in heaven. Uh, spiritually, the same thing. So I've been listening to a lot of his old stuff. It was amazing to me. And you can tell, you know, you listen to uh, tapes that are really old. E e even if they're on my phone, they're like crackly. And the voice is weird. And he was, this is, it's, it's a tape. I looked at it. It, was, it had to be 50 some odd years old it was, or more. 50 some odd years ago. And he said, yeah, there's people today who are saying that third John uh, um, chapter, you know, is, is, you know, first John. Oh, he said, there are people today saying first John is not for the church. He's like, that was an old thing. And it, it, they're doing it again. And they'll try to do it again because the devil doesn't do anything except recycle. Why am I saying that? Because, see, if you start to believe or look at that kind of stuff, now you need to see what the Word of God says. But then if that's not good, because a lot of people have pulled out, by his stripes you're healed. That's not for today. Tongues, oh, that's not for today. That's how all that happened. By their experience, to make it comfortable for someone. Well, you know, they didn't get healed, so healing must not be for everybody. Well, they didn't get healed and they moved to heaven, let's rejoice. And then for them, let's forget about that. But that is not what the word says. Is it the will of God to heal everybody? It is. Does everybody get healed or receive their healing? They do not. Even the best of saints. If I ever go home early, you come to my memorial, I'm not. I'll be in heaven, and if you wonder what happened, then you just walk over that cold corpse and keep believing God. Because the word doesn't change. Not based on what somebody's results were. As a matter of fact, if you're having trouble in that area, beef up on it a little bit, because don't let what happened to someone else happen to you. 
Praise the Lord. How's that for straight shooting? The word's the word. The word's the word. Not based on my results or your results. The word's the word. I had someone come in a meet group one time, and her mother had just gone home to be with the Lord, and he, they loved our church. He said, but I have one question to ask you. Do you preach it's the will of God to heal everybody? I'm like, of course I do, because that's what the word says. He said, well, we prayed for her mother, and she died, so you've got to be wrong. And I said in the nicest way I could, no, you're wrong, because I'm sorry for that, but not based on results. Of what someone can receive. Why am I talking about this? I don't know. Except for the, I do know, because the word is the truth. It's the word is the truth. And if you start messing with it in your mind, in your heart of, okay, that didn't happen, so it must not be true. Listen to me. God himself can never fail. He will never disappoint you, and he will never let you down. And I've had people say to me after I said something like that, that's not true. He did disappoint me. No, you didn't know something and you got disappointed. You, wasn't, you weren't able to receive something. Or a lot of times is I prayed for them in faith. I spoke the word over them. I am really, we're going to get to this. But this does have to do with fighting and believing. They'll say to me, think, I believe God. I believe God for them. Well, the truth of the matter is you can't always believe God for everybody else. You can believe God for you, but you can't always just use your faith for somebody else. Because if you're believing God, yes, the prayers of a righteous man uh, make tremendous power available, dynamic, and they're working. But if you're praying that way and there's all this power available, but they're laying on a sickbed saying, I want to come home. I want to come home. Well, you can pray and confess all you want to. But their will is greater because God gave us all a free will, which is one of the best gifts he's ever given us and one of the worst gifts he's ever given us. Don't mess with the word. The Bible's clear about it. He said, don't add anything to it and don't subtract anything from it. And, and, and why? Because in your personal life, you got to get it. Now, listen to me. Um, people are responsible for this, whether they ever come to a church like ours or not. The word is available. Ignorance is not a defense for the law. Well, I just didn't know. Well, I didn't know I was driving 60. Well, look down. It's right there. It's not a defense. People perish from ignorance, though, and lack of knowledge. And once you get it, how I many you know, once you start getting knowledge, the more you find out, the more you need. And so you never arrive at a place where I don't need no more. All right. Hallelujah. Let's get back to the good scripture. Hallelujah. The word of God stands how long? So this is always right. And if I disagree with it, who's wrong? I am. If I don't understand it, what should I do? I would put my hand over my mouth until I can figure it out. I would ask the Holy Ghost to reveal it to me. The Spirit of God's the one that wrote this. He's been everywhere. Well, I don't understand about the resurrection. The Holy Ghost was there. Ask him. And he can lead you to the written word. The written word. He'll always lead you to the written word. 
And even if you get a spoken word, if it doesn't line up with the written word, the spoken thing needs to be put to the side. The written word, everything God reveals is in line with the written word. He doesn't speak in King James, but he does speak word. And it's forever settled. All right, let's keep going. Matthew 24, 35. We have to pick it up a little bit. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Isaiah 55, 9 through 11. For as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. How many know that's true? My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I don't have time to take you over to Corinthians, it says, but you can know his ways and you can know his thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snows from heaven and returns not thither, thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it forth, bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11. So my word that has gone forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. So whatever God's word that went out of his mouth that is currently recorded for you, it is not void of power. It can, it, it will accomplish that which I please. In other words, if he said something, if it's written down, it's not void of power. There is power within the seed of the word of God to produce what it says. And it shall prosper in the thing where I have sent it. First Peter 1, 25 says, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So the word lasts forever. The word is not void of power. It always accomplishes what it was sent to do. This is why the word of God is the loin belt and it has to be the thing first and foremost in your life is the written word of God. There is no reason to try to attempt to stand against the enemy if you have no word in you. He will go, huh? On a regular basis. You can get some help from some people when you get started. Thank God for the shield of faith that you can surround some people who don't know what they're doing and you can use your sword just like in a natural battle. But when it comes to doing this over and over again, you and I have to know what the word has said, what the word has said, the logos, the written word of God. We have to esteem it. We have to teach our children to esteem it. In the old covenant, he said, you know, write it down and hang it around their necks. Discuss it with them. Basically, morning, noon, and night, discuss it with them as you walk. Discuss it with them all the time. Hallelujah. How many current parents of 18 and under we got in the room tonight? Amen. Listen to me. The world's crazy. You can't trust anybody out there. And, and listen, you and I as a parent, I as a parent, all of us as parents, um, it's tougher now than it ever has been. There's that little device, and there's all this information coming from here and there, from everywhere they go. But the way you combat it is with the written word of God. And nobody can do that but you, mom and dad. And if you're a grandparent, ask mom and dad if you can help out some. But we have got to make sure that the word of God is hung around their neck, so to speak. I'm not telling you to send them to school with scripture around their neck. And I'll tell you the opposite of it. Don't ever use the word of God as punishment. You do not want them despising the word of God. You didn't clean your room? Read a chapter. No. No. No, 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 no. You were late, you know, uh, memorize three verses. No. Sp spank? Oh, no, I can't say that. 
do what the word of God says. Because if you don't, you hate them. If you don't, you hate them. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the logos, the written word of God. That we need to make sure our, the generation that's coming up, and as moms and dads, we're the ones more than anybody else. We as a church, we're going to help you. We don't play around around here. We try not to anyway. Even from the nursery all the way up, we're going to teach them the word of God. I've got great teachers, great pastors, great everything. I believe that firmly. Perfect ones? No, no, none of us are. But endeavoring to obey God? Yes. But we need your help. I said, we need your help. They need your help. Really, man, what's coming against them? It's just unprecedented. But it's not to be afraid of because the word wins every time. And they, and they need to see you win battles, too. Yes, yes. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's look at 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So how were you born again? You, came, you got born again, Romans 10, 9 and 10, by hearing and hearing, by the, hearing the word of God. And you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. So you were born again according to you received eternal life by not corruptible seed, by incorruptible. In other words, a tomato seed, when you plant it, could go bad. There could be something wrong with the seed. A corn seed could be bad. There could be something wrong with the seed. It doesn't produce. But the word of God always produces. When you plant it in your heart, as long as your soil is good, it will always, this is incorruptible, indestructible. It is the word of God. The DNA is on the inside of it to produce whatever it says. The power is there to produce it. You just have to believe it. But it can't be produced if you don't plant it. You've got to plant the, the logos, the written word of God, in your heart. It's the place that it grows. It has to get off the page. It has to get off the phone. It has to get off the screen and get into a place that it can actually grow. This is the place in your cardia, in the center of you, that it's, that's, where it, 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 that's where it grows. That's where it prevails. That's where it, it begins to manifest. And when it comes to fighting the enemy, when it comes to standing against him, if you don't have this loin belt, on, if you don't have the, the belt of truth on, then you can't hang your sword of the spirit on it. You can't rest your shield of faith on it. You won't be able to have a helmet. You won't be able to have the breastplate of righteousness. You won't have peace in your life. The logos, I believe, you know, uh, where I come from, the shield of faith is the most important weapon. And really, because uh, it says, in King James says in front of, but it just means out in front. It doesn't mean number one, because number one won't work with the one without this that that is the least seen and maybe the most people say I you know this it's it's just the written word of God just the written word of God what it is God speaking to you I think we make a mistake sometimes and I know we call it the Bible because that's what we call it but we really need to call it the word of God because the Bible is a book but this word is alive and this logos, this written word in your heart will change your life. Now, I know I'm talking to the choir. I know most of you understand this, but, but, we, but everybody you know doesn't understand this. And so the more you understand how precious this seed is, how life-changing this seed is, the more you carry yourself that way, the more you can affect people around you. And the more you can say, it is written. 
like Jesus did and people watch you say it is written and say it with confidence and conviction, then things will be changing. But the word of God is a seed. The word of God is a seed. And it's incorruptible, and I believe also indestructible. Mark chapter 4 is one of the things, uh, you can look at forces 14 to 20. I don't know, the sower sows the word, and then it talks about the four different soils. How many of you know, let me just get into this real quick. Um, the four soils that, that are listed there, um, those soils are up to you, not up to God. The, 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 whether you got stones and offenses and the lusts of other things, or you hear the word and it's like, um, you know, uh, how many of those seed tries to grow? Have you ever seen it grow um, on a concrete in the cracks? That's to me like the word of God. It really is it, meant to grow. And so all that grass seed, that weed seed, you know, the funny thing is, you know, I try to plant all this grass in my yard and, and it won't grow in the yard where it's supposed to, but now it, it'll grow in, in where I've got, you know, uh, I'm trying to have plants and, and that uh, not, um, you know, uh, what do you call this? The mulch, it'll grow in the mulch. I have a yard here. It's funny to me how, how seed always tries to grow. And this seed is incorruptible. And all this seed is looking for is some ground. Now, some of this seed, how many of you know in the cracks, if there's not, uh, the first thing seed does is looking for soil. You, you, you see the result of it. But the first thing it did was try to put down roots. The first thing this does is not glamorous. The first thing this does, done correctly, puts roots in you. Without a root system, there is nothing that grows up and produces fruit. And that's why, you know, the third kind of soil is those people are very frustrated because they hear the word and they receive it with joy. But then there's those things that choke out the word. In other words, there's even some pieces of fruit that try to come up, but they never come to harvest because they don't walk in love, the lust of other things, the lust of money. Those things come in and the Bible says it chokes out. In other words, you were going good, but you let the things of this world, the enemy, come and choke things out. But I'm telling you the seed of the word of God. Why is it so important? Why is it so important? Because if you get that in your soil and your heart is good and you keep working on your heart, you keep getting those things out. Anytime, you know, you got unforgiveness, you're like, nope, that's not going in my soil. Anytime someone, you know, tells you you ought to be offended about this and you ought to be mad, you're like, I ain't no roots of bitterness growing up in here. Come on, y'all. I've done this a long time, and that's why I'm so particular about some things right now, is you are not putting that bitterness in me. I don't care how important you think it is, but I sense bitterness, and you can keep that root to yourself. I got too many things going on in my life to be messing with roots of bitterness. No matter how big and important you think it is. Bitter people, that's the devil <laughs> trying to make you, people bitter. And, and bitter people don't like to be bitter alone. Why? Because that root of bitterness is always trying to get its seed into somebody else's soil because it's from the devil. All right. So that the word of God, everybody say the word of God incorruptible, seed, never returns void, always produces. So the sower sows the word. Who's the sower? You're the sower. 
Pastor Mark, you're the sower. I get up here and throw some out there, but if you're really going to make it, you're going to have to sow into your own life. I don't know. Get a daily bread. I don't sell my stuff, and I'm not trying to make money. I just try to obey God. Um, do something. If my daily bread don't hit you, I mean, you can get one of Rick Renner's um, uh, uh, what's, sparkling gems. He'll be here. You can tell him you read it. Every, you can get it sent to your phone. You can get ours sent to your phone too. <laughs> Mine is not the Rick Renner level, but it is neither the, the level of what did I just read. Uh, you know, mine is not, you know, Reader's Digest level. Um, but find something that ministers to you and, and read it every day. 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 Because it's not what you read yesterday that's going to help you. It's what the word of God, the seed has to be continually going in you. Continually going in you. Some of us, after you've done this a while, so I know that. But you need to keep overseeding. I said you, keep, you need to keep overseeding. You need to keep putting the indestructible, incorruptible word of God in you. Because that's what produces. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. Love to look at this. But it says, my son, attend to my words. So who's got to attend? Who's got to attend to the seed? You've got to attend to it. Right? And then it begins to talk about the gates to your heart. Incline your ear unto my saying. Verse 21. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So here's, here's two gates. But the, I always talk about three gates. you got three gates to your heart. What are the gates for? It's really to put the seed of the word of God in your heart so it will produce. So you have an eye gate. There's nobody that does any better than you actually reading the seed of the word of God for yourself. you got ear gates. Right? Ear gates. Jesus said, be careful what you hear and be careful how you hear it. Right? And so... One of the things about confessing the word of God is as you do something, uh, that's why I like one scripture. I like to read it, but also you can confess it out of your mouth. So therefore, my eye gate's working and my ear gate's working. And then the biggest gate of all, you got the big, you got somebody, have you ever told somebody you got a big mouth? Well, we've all got big mouths and this is your biggest gate. Because this gate has, it works with the other gates, and this gate is the most connected already with your heart. Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will do what? Speak. And is it important what you speak? Yeah, but, so, but if, I, if, I, if I'm having trouble with something, then if I speak the seed of the word of God, then I hear, hear myself. Uh, you know, I always say this kind of jokingly, but hopefully there's no habitual liars in here. Y'all believe what you say. You do believe what you say. Even if you're joking. A lot of times, you know, even that, I, I'm not opposed to people having fun and joking stuff. But even I've watched people over the years, they, they say something about someone or to someone, and they say it in a joking manner. And there's kind of always a half-truth in there somewhere. They're trying to get somebody. I mean, you've got to watch your words. And you've got to watch your words over you. Um, I am... Um, I don't want, yeah. Um, 
when I was young, I was really going through a difficult situation and I didn't like some things about myself and I would try to do negative self-talk to motivate me. And I was a very motivated person. Um, but if I wasn't perfect, I would negatively talk to myself. You idiot. You're never going to be anything. You need to study harder. You need to work harder. If you're going to get up out of this little small town and get off this farm, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to make something of yourself. And, and you know, if I wasn't number one, if I wasn't the best, I would negatively. But I didn't realize then because I didn't have the spiritual upbringing that some of you have had or know I was really working with the devil. I really was working with him, and I always lived a life of condemnation. That's why I almost worried myself. Well, I did. I worried myself into the hospital when I was a freshman in high school. And talk to somebody right now. Don't motivate your children with negative talk. If you don't do this, this is what, you know, I was, oh my gosh. We were resting in Destin, and I was at the pool having a great day. Finally, the rain had gone away, and I was enjoying my life. This huge complex, nobody was there but us. So I love children. I mean, you can tell, my staff can tell you, I, loved, I feel like we have a daycare going on here sometimes because I let them bring them in. I love children. I love them, okay? But not on my pool day. <laughs> it's quiet. So this mama comes with these four kids, and I wish I was her pastor because I'd have got up and yelled at her. She told the little girl, she yelled at her and said, this is why no one likes you or wants to be around you. Because she was trying to control her with negative words. And the daughter did snap too. That's devilish. That's what the devil does. And I'm sure they weren't Christians. And the Lord didn't release me to get up and say anything. Because they were both, then the husband came and then he was yelling too. And I could tell these children were an inconvenience to their life. And their vacation. But it grieved me so. But I want to make sure you all know. Even let, have the Lord help you. But don't talk to yourself negative. The reason I'm bringing this up, it, it creeps back in. Um, I'm going to tell myself, it was just yesterday. I was aggravated that I did something. And I said something very negative about myself. It just popped out. And my wife say, who are you talking? This is what she said to me. Who are you talking to? Because a lot of times when we first got married, she'd say, you can't talk to my husband that way. <laughs> so she said, you cannot talk to my husband that way. And it really helped me because it jerked me out. I did it so long. And some of you, you got to watch that. It is not a good motivator. And it it's definitely not a good motivator for your children. Speak the word over them. Do what the Bible says in Ephesians. Remember, look there. Wash them. Wash them. And the word itself, if you wash them right, the word itself will correct them. I'm not saying that you shouldn't correct your children because you all know I believe. I believe in Proverbs. Hallelujah. I didn't hate my child. Hallelujah. I loved her. Hallelujah. We loved her good. And look, she did all right. But you know what? Honestly, after she reached a certain age, we didn't have to love her that way anymore. And you all know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. 
where we get there. That's helpful. Use the word. Just speak the word over yourself. Even if you do something wrong, say what the word says about you. Think wrong. New creatures don't think that way. Righteous people don't talk that way. Talk to yourself that way. It's not negative. You're just saying what the word says. That's not who I am. This, the Bible says that I'm righteous. The Bi- Say what the word says over you. That's your seed coming out of your mouth, going into your ears, going down in your heart, and it will not return void. And then you'll begin to act the way the word says who you are. Your children, the same thing. Tell somebody. We tell this story all the time. Um, friends of ours who've been pastoring forever, uh, uh, you know, in the area real close, and they were not saved when they got married. And so they both got saved and then filled with the Holy Ghost um, after they got married. They weren't in the ministry yet. But um, she, she says this, so we've told this story so much, we, you know. But uh, um, uh, she was kind of mean with her mouth. Just tell you like it is and kind of that person. Kind of mean with her mouth. And uh, they were in a meeting and it was talking about washing each other with the word. And she would begin to st- be that kind of mean mouth. And he would say something from what the word says and kind of wash her with it. And then she, the law of kindness is written on your tongue and all that kind of stuff. The Proverbs, you're a Proverbs 31. I know you're a pro- Baby, I know you're a Proverbs 31 woman. Thank you. The law, all that kind of stuff. And then she looked at him. She says, I know what you're doing. I was in that meeting too. But even if she knew what he was doing and she was in that meeting too, it worked. She's one of the kindest, sweetest people I've ever met in my life. But she didn't used to be that way. The word's got power in it. It'll change you. I don't know if y'all can testify. It changed my personality. It changed who I am. And I just keep wanting to grow. Do you want to keep growing? I'd hate to think this is all there is. There's more, right? I'm not, I don't want to stop here. Do you want to stop here? What is vacay here? There's surely nothing more. No, there's whole lots more. We're gonna keep, I'm going to keep growing until either Jesus comes back or I go to meet him. Let's do it together. How are you going to do that? With the word, the logos, the written word of God. All right. Um, this is what the Logos will do. Let's look at this. Let's look at uh, Luke 1, 35, Amplified Classic. Let's look at Luke 1. Remember, this is when uh, Gabriel came to Mary. This is Christmas season, so this will fit real good. The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. She's like, how's this going to be? I don't know, no man. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a shining cloud. And so the holy, pure, sinless thing, offspring, which shall be born of you, will be called the Son of God. Amen. Thank you. Verse 36. And listen, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and is now his sixth month with her that was called barren. John the Baptist, 37. For with God, nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God. Well, I wish I could get a word from God. I really wish somebody would prophesy to me. Pastor, come prophesy to me like you prophesied to some of them. But really, you don't need anyone to prophesy to you because you do have a word from God. If this is not from God, then we are all wasting our time. And you should have been watching the debate or something tonight. 
But we're not wasting our time. This is the word of God. I said, this is the word of God. And no word from God will be without power. This word will not return void, but it'll accomplish everything it's sent to do. Amen. But you got to send it to do something. You got to get it in your heart. No word from God. The word of God is never void. The, no word from God. No word from God. No word from God. First Peter 2.24 is from God. Matthew 8.17 is from God. Third John 2 is from God. John 3.16 is from God. John chapter 10, all from God. Every one of them, all from God. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Verse 38. Then Mary said, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to what you have said. And the angel left her. Now, I wanted, you know, I know that was a spoken word, an angel came, but you've got to treat the written word of God with more honor than you even do the spoken word, or the spoken word is not going to be any good to you. We have to honor the word. I'm not talking about reverence in a book. Like my mamma. Uh, I, I think if I would ever, you know, have you ever seen anyone put the Bible on the floor and someone say, I stand on the word of God. If I ever did that in the presence of my mamma, she would probably, she'd probably just pass out or something. Because, you know, her Bible, and, and that's good. But we know it's not a book. We know it's not a Bible. The words that came from God that were penned by holy men of old are never without power. They're incorruptible. They cannot fail. It will not fail if we put it in our heart and if we bind it around us and understand it. Even, you remember, uh, again, this is more spoken word, but I remember when uh, um, Peter was fishing the first time and he'd heard the Lord speak. And the Lord said, to, you know, let, let down your nets. And, and what did he say? I fished all night, but nevertheless, at your word. And yes, that was Jesus speaking it, but he had obviously heard, you know, uh, Jesus preaching from the word. But I want you to have as much expect for God just saying to you, if he give you something in his word, that you believe it and, and, and act on it. First Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing because you received the word of God which you heard from us. You received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually works also in you that believe. And so we have to be careful. I have to be careful as a minister. I wish all preachers were careful of. When someone stands up in a place in front of people and they're supposedly supposed to be speaking the word of God, that it really is the word of God. And it really is the word of God. And in order for something to be scriptural, you have to have actual scripture. And we use the scripture correctly. And we reverence the word. We honor the word. And when we reverence and honor the word um, and treat it like it ought to be treated, if God said that, then it works more effectually in you. Because you're treating it as it is the word of God. 
um, they heard it, but they didn't say, oh, that's just what you're saying. They're like, that came from God. And that's why, hopefully, everything we say to you, and you should be listening to people that what they say to you, that you can be like a good little Berean and see what they're saying is actually in line with the Word of God. They Remember what they did? They searched the Scripture. They were searching the Old Covenant. Old Testament, what they had written down. They, even that, they were searching what you're saying, even though they, you know, they were just started preaching. They were making sure that it was in line with the Word of God. How do you know there's nothing in the New Testament that's out of line with the Old Covenant? We may do some things different today, and everything may not apply to you. But again, even with that, be careful. I, I hear all kind of modern-day preachers like, you don't even need to have an Old Testament. Just don't ever read that. That's not for you today. Well, I love what, what happened. Uh, they gave this man a, a New Testament only. He had just gotten born again. And he called and said, where's the rest of the book? Why? I mean, if Jesus quoted it, it might be okay for us to quote it. And he did quote it. The apostle Paul quoted the old. And I know everything doesn't apply, but you start ripping things out. So what? We don't have to live by the Proverbs anymore. We don't have to listen by the Psalms anymore. Everything in Leviticus is bad. Don't bother with it. Well, that's not true. Don't despise any of the word of God. Yes, my spiritual father, you say live in the epistles. How many know that's where we ought to live? Because it's written to the church. But don't, don't belittle the gospels. Don't belittle the old covenant. Because there's some things in there that are pertinent. I like a good Proverbs every once in a while. Still the word of God. Get all of it you can. Amen? Amen? But once you understand and have reverence for the word of God, you start putting it in you, now you're ready to start putting the rest of the armor on. You've got a place to hang your sword because you've got to speak what is. You can't have a rhema until you have a logos. You can't have a shield of faith until you can say it is written. And you've got to know what is written to say it is written. You want to renew your mind with the helmet, helmet of salvation, have all that salvation is working in your, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions? Then you got to, what are you going to renew it with? Well, you've got to renew it with the logos. Are you, are you understanding? How many of you aren't you grateful you have peace with God and peace with men? But you can't know that you have peace with God unless you know what it says. Because the devil and this world system will tell you that God is angry with you. And he's mad at you. And he's going to get even with you. You can't trust him. But that's not what we know about him from the word of God. The devil has been lying for years. And he gets a big thrill out of it all the time. I tell this, I'm going to let you go. We've been all over the world. And not a lot of people know too much about the word of God. But it's funny, even the religious people know, that uh, they know a lot about Job and Paul's thorn in the flesh. Even people who are not Christians and not born. Why? Because the devil loves to perpetuate a lie. And so you really have to know what is written. And when you know what is written, then the rest of the armor begins to come on you. And you begin to be able to use it in its correct way. And then you get to stand against the walls of the devil. You'll withstand him and you'll win. And you'll be like the Bible says that, that, that he always will cause you to triumph. So is it true that uh, you're a winner? It is a true. It's true. But does everybody win? Well, if you don't fight, how can you win if you don't fight? 
Well, I just believe Jesus did it all. He did do it all. But he still told you to fight the good fight of faith. If you're going to resist the devil, you're going to have to do it steadfast in the faith, the Bible says. And you can't have faith unless you've got some word in you. 